Now, that's Monday. Monday is Valentine's Day, but today is a big day because tonight is the Super Bowl. So let's see. How many of y'all are rooting for the Bengals? Let me see. Raise your hands. Got, all right. We got, oh, we got some big fans for the Bengals. All right. How many of y'all are rooting for the Rams? Let me see. Oh, a lot more for the Rams. Okay. Now, how many of you really don't care? You just like the commercials? Yep. Okay. There you go. Those are my few. I follow college football so much that um, generally by this point, I'm more interested in the Doritos commercials because they crack me up. But for tonight, it comes down to two main quarterbacks for me, two amazing stories. On the one hand, you got Joe Burrow, this young buck, only 25 years old. He was drafted in 2020 after winning the national title with LSU. And now he's taken the Bengals to their first Super Bowl since 1988. A lot has happened for this young man in a very short period of time. But on the other hand, you got Matthew Stafford, who was drafted over a decade ago to the Detroit Lions, and he made it to the wild card. I think the Lions made it to the wild card a few times, but they never advanced. And he has been waiting a much longer time um, for this big moment. But the most important thing you got to know about Stafford is that he's a dog. (laughs) Go dogs. But I think my favorite story that has come out of this, because like I said, I kind of wake up after college football is done and and then kind of catch into the playoffs a little bit with the NFL. But my favorite story has to be around this guy, McPherson. And I don't know if you know this guy, this kicker, whose nickname is Shooter for the Bengals. And you may remember a few weeks ago, the Bengals were playing against the Tennessee Titans, and the winner of that game would take them into the AFC Championship, okay? And Shooter was having a day, okay? He made three different field goals, averaging somewhere in the neighborhood of 45 yards. I can't remember, but man, he was, if if you don't know anything about football, he's killing it. Like, he is killing it. And now, at the end of this game, they're tied up, and there's one second left. There's just, there's no time on the clock. There's there's a chance for one more kick, and it's a 52-yarder, and it all comes down to shooter. Can he make it? And I don't know about you, could you imagine the stress in that moment? Like the anxiety and the pressure. I don't know what you'd... I would be sweating bullets. I'd probably pull a Charlie Brown and just miss, right? But the moment comes, and everybody's watching, and as he's running, as he's about to take the field to see if they can win this game with his team depending on him, and the nation watching, he looks at his teammates on the bench, and he says, can you believe we're going to the championship? And then he goes out and does this. Trying to kick the Bengals into the AFC Championship. Harris the snapper. Huber will hold it. 52 yard. Sweeps the leg. McPherson. He's And it's good. And the place goes crazy. And everybody is just celebrating. And everybody's so excited. But for him to call it before he goes out on the field, is amazing. And, you know, I was talking to somebody last Sunday, and we were talking about this, and they were like, you know, some people might find that a little arrogant. But honestly, I mean, you want that kind of confidence in your teammates, right? How does that confidence happen? Like, how do teams make it to the Super Bowl? Like, how do they get to where they are? And that happens because of practice. The teams know what to do because they're constantly there practicing the principles that will help them win. 
How many field goals does Shooter have to practice during the week? I bet he practices so many his legs hurt, right? But my point is, these teams, they know what to do in order to win. And it really comes down to executing the plan and executing it well. If they practice the right things in the right way, they'll get the right results. And the same thing is true for the church, right? Well, when it comes to the church, we know what we need to do in order to win. And it really comes down to executing the plan. And if we practice the right things in the right ways, we'll get the right results. Not just for ourselves, not just for this church, but for the glory of God, like for his kingdom, to expand his kingdom, to get a big win for him. The question becomes whether or not we'll put it into practice, whether or not we'll execute it, whether or not we'll live out that game plan, those, those basic things that we need to do. So what are the basic things when it comes to getting a win for the kingdom of God? Well, we got these five values right here that we've been talking about, okay? In the first week, we went through the first one. We can't do life alone, okay? We need to understand that as a church, we need each other. You're wired to be a part of a church family. You're wired to be a part of the family of God. And with that being said, you know what? We've got 101 happening right after this service. And if you're interested in being a part of this church family, we'd love to have you stay. Even if you're not sure about joining membership, just stay and just get to meet some people because you're wired for it. The reason we push that so much and the reason we have these all the time is because we know that we can't do life alone. We're not meant to. We need to make this a priority. Then the second week, we talked about save people, serve people. And we said that part of being a follower of Christ means that God has gifted us. That when you are brought into the family of God, you receive a spiritual gift. And we go through that in Discovery 301 when we go through the classes, your spiritual gift and learning what that is. It's a gift from God that's only, that, that is given to you. And you are meant to use that gift to serve others. And so that's why we push so much what we push serving on serving teams here on Sunday mornings. In fact, this was so cute this past week. Um, I was reminded of how, uh, what a blessing it is to serve in our Ridge Runner department with our little kids. Um, so many people uh, serve in that area. And last week when we were doing our volunteer worship, I said, uh, let's pray. And little Logan here, look at this. Look at that cute little guy. I said, let's pray. Everybody bow their heads. And this little guy just, he goes right in prayer. This is, this is who you get to impact when you're serving in, in the Ridge Runner department. And what a blessing they are. So that was second week, save people, serve people. And then the third week, last week we talked about the third value is found people, find people. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. We all have that mission. No matter who we are, just because we don't think we know everything, it doesn't stop the mission of getting out there and inviting people to church, inviting people to know who Jesus is. We're all part of that. And that brings us to today. Today is a great value. And it's for everybody in here. And it's number four, growing people change. Okay? Growing people. If you're growing in Christ, it means that you have to change you got to be willing to change. But let, let me start here. Let me just first start off by saying that Jesus loves you just as you are. In fact, do me a favor. Turn to your neighbor right now and tell them Jesus loves you just as you are. Go ahead, tell them. Tell them Jesus loves you just as you are. Now turn to the other side. Tell the other person sitting on the other side of it, Jesus loves you just as you are. Look at that. Look how sweet y'all are. You know what? I truly believe somebody needed to hear that this morning, right? Jesus, Jesus loves you. He loves you. He died for you. No matter where you are in life, 
But he loves you too much to let you stay where you are. He wants you to change. He loves you just as you are, but he refuses to leave you that way. God wants you to be just like Jesus. Okay, that's our goal. Our goal in life, one of our purposes, one of our great purposes is to become more Christ-like. But in order for that to happen, we got to change, we got to mature, we got, we got to learn. We can't stay the same. And to help us with this, let, let me start off with Romans 8, 28 through 29. Uh, and, and you're going to be familiar with this verse. We use this verse a lot, okay? The first part of this probably sounds really familiar. If something bad has happened in your life, we always quote this verse for you. But let's read this together. It says this. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. So, point that I'm trying to bring up here. God has a plan and he has a purpose for your life. And his desire is to work everything in your life, okay? Whatever it is, whatever comes your way, he wants to use it. Now, it doesn't mean that everything that comes your way is good or is caused by him. That's not what you're saying. But what we're saying is that everything can be used by him to fulfill the purpose that he has in your life, okay? So look at the next part of this verse. It says, for God knew his people in advance. And what did he choose in advance? He chose in advance for us to become like his son. Focus on that phrase, like his son. He knew you before you were even born, okay? Before you were even created. God knew you. He had a plan and a purpose for you. And part of that plan and part of that purpose is to make you more like his son. So what does that mean? What does that mean that I'm meant to be like Jesus? It means that you're, you're supposed to take on those God-like characteristics, those, those qualities. It doesn't mean that we're going to be like a little God or anything. God is God and we're not. Like, that, that doesn't make sense. But what does make sense is that God has these characteristics, these, these, personality, these traits that he wants to develop in us. The, the Bible teaches us that God is loving, that he is caring, that he is peaceful, that he is patient, that he is kind, that he is merciful, and he wants those things for you. And he wants to help you grow. And he wants to help you mature into those characteristics. And so since we're talking about spiritual growth this morning, and since today's the Super Bowl, and I'm talking about sports analogies here, I want to take you to a few times in Scripture where it compares our spiritual growth to running a race. In fact, there are five times in the Bible where it compares spiritual growth to being in a marathon. Over and over and over again, it talks about this. And it says our spiritual growth, it's not like a short little sprint, but, it, but it's a long marathon. And guess what? We're, we're all in that marathon right now. And our goal, getting to the end, getting to that finish line, is to become the man that God wants us to be, is to become the woman that God wants us to be. So today, what, what I want to do is I just want to talk about the marathon of spiritual maturity that we're all in and the basics that go along with that. How do we get where God wants us to be? What can we do? How can we open our lives more to the change that God wants to bring? Let me give you a couple of pointers. If you got your message notes, you can open those up in the app. Um, if you grabbed a piece of paper, you can write these down. Everybody on the online, you can find the message notes on the app as well, okay? So point number one is that we got to be willing to simplify some things in our life. When it comes to spiritual growth, 
a big part of it is being able to cut out and to clean up all the junk that's holding us back from becoming the person that God has called us to be. You got to clean out the clutter. You got to clean out your mind. You got to clean out your schedule. You got to get rid of all the unnecessary baggage. You know, it's like trying to run the race and you're not prepared for it or you're not dressed for it. Like if I were to go out and try to run a marathon right now with blue jeans on, I'd struggle. Or even worse, like a suit with loafers on. You know, if I were running a full marathon out there, my feet would be killing me at the end. I can't do that. I gotta get rid of the extra junk in my life that prevents me from moving forward. And it's just simplifying things a little bit. So Hebrews 12 puts it this way. He says, Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially that sin that we allow to hang on a little bit, that sin that so easily trips us up. And that word for weight that he uses, it it, it means burden. It's, It's the kind of burden that we're not meant to carry that just holds us down. And he continues and he says, let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. We got to strip that stuff off. We got to let go of all the things that hold us back from becoming more Christ like. So, what are those? Think about that for just a minute. What would it mean in your life to simplify things? What would it mean to cut something back so that you can add more spiritual growth in your life? What does that look like for you? It's, it's different for everybody. Let me give you one example. One example here comes from this verse. Down here at the very end, I've I've highlighted those words there. I want you to look at that phrase. The race, we need to run the race that God has set before us. So that means that God has a particular race for you to run, okay? And it's your race. Nobody else can run that race, okay? But the problem we face sometimes is that it seems like everybody wants us to run their race. Have you ever noticed this before? Like you start to do something, you start to get ahead, or you start, you start to move in this direction, then everybody's got ideas and everybody's got plans for you. Everybody wants you to do this or take this on or this responsibility, and so they heap more on. You know, your family, you know, your boss, whoever it is, they all got it mapped out for you. Simplifying could mean for some of us that we got to let go of some of that expectations that, that other people have. Right, Because you can't please everyone. We're not meant to please everyone. And that may be actually a weight that's holding some of us back. And we need to be willing to say, you know what, I'm going to let that go. I'm going to put that down. So I'm not so much concentrated on what you want, but more on what God wants for my life. And when I'm ready for that, then I'm ready to become more of the man or more of the woman that God wants me to be. So what could be simplified in your life? What needs to be trimmed out? You know, I just mentioned one thing, just other people's expectations. That's just one example. There's a lot more out there that we could talk about. What would it mean to simplify things a little bit? The second thing we need to, uh, we need to make sure that we understand is that we've got to be patient. Number two is just to be patient. The race to maturing in Christ, to growing more Christ-like, it's going to take time. In fact, It's going to take a lifetime. It's not going to happen next week. It's not going to happen next month. In fact, some of y'all, y'all started off the year on the bang. You're going to read the Bible and, you know, you got this year plan and that's great and that's going to get you somewhere, but it's not going to get you to the end. Like, this is a long lifetime journey that we're on and we got to be patient and we got to be willing to wait on God. 
and let God develop those things. I, I remember when I was running my half marathon that there were actually pace setters that ran with signs. And, you know, as I'm walking through the crowd, I'm looking at this one group and the pace setter held up a sign that said seven and a half minute miles. And I looked at them and I was like, y'all are crazy. <laughs> and I moved on back to the back of the line where it was like eight and a half minute miles. And I'm like, this is my, pe- this is my area right here. And it was good, because if I start out too fast, I'm not going to have enough to complete the distance. The reason that this is so important to understand when it comes to Christianity is that when it comes to being a Christian, you start out really fast. It's kind of like a baby in the early months. Babies double in size. And when we're first accepted Christ and when we first get to understand who he is, it's like we can't take in enough. And so we're growing and we're growing and we're growing. But thank goodness, growth kind of levels out for us. And it also levels out in our spiritual life as well. It generally, it slows down after a little while. And you know what? God is not in a hurry. He's not in a hurry with you. You might be, and you might get impatient, but he's not. I like the way the Phillips paraphrased Hebrews 12.1. It says it this way. Let us run the race that we have to run with patience. So I've got to be patient with God. The third thing is I've got to focus on Jesus every day. I've got to focus on him and let him set the pace, but I've got to let him be my focal point each and every day. I've got to take a little bit of time to be with Jesus. And I'm not talking about an hour. I'm not talking about two hours. I'm not talking about half the day. I'm talking five, 10, 15 minutes each day just focusing on him. And I think, no, no, no. I know that this is something that you can do. And if you don't think that you have the time just to focus your thoughts on Christ during the day, you know what? Pull out your cell phone right now and look at that app that tells you how long you've been on your phone during the day. Or actually, don't do that. I always get really depressed when I see that. We have the time. I'm just talking about a little bit of time. A little bit of time just to focus on him. Do you, do you know what? When it comes to this point of being with Jesus, I'll just, I'll just feed you in on this. One, one of the things that just kills my motivation in spending time with Jesus is when I hear other people bragging about their quiet time. And I hear people and, and how they'll brag about blocking out you know, all this time for prayer and how they can just get away and they can pray all morning long. And, I, and I've heard people how they just remove themselves for a whole day or just a week or, or they'll block out five hours on a Thursday morning before lunch. And when I hear that, if I can be honest, I feel discouraged. I feel kind of less than. And if that's you, that's great. But that's not me, and it, it, it's hard. Sometimes it just it, it weighs me down to think that I'm not doing enough. And maybe you can relate to that because the, the reason I don't block out so much time for that is because I'm too distracted to have a long conversation with anyone for too long. If you just try to have a conversation with me, you'll notice how hard it is for me to pay attention. And it's not that I'm trying to be disrespectful. It's just that I saw a squirrel jump from one tree to another. And I'm like, how do they do that? Or I'm thinking about, you know, I had pizza today for lunch. What should I eat tomorrow for lunch? Maybe some of y'all know what that's like. And if that's you and you can spend long periods of time in conversations with people or in conversations with God, that's great. And I'm not trying to knock you. I'm just trying to say that we're all wired differently. But you know what I can do? 
is I can take out the first minutes of my day, whatever that means for you. I can take that time out and schedule some blocks of time, maybe 10, 20 minutes each day, just to make sure that I'm focused, that I'm focused on Christ for the day. I can pay attention long enough to make sure that I start my daily race off on the right foot. That's possible. And it's possible for every person in here. And why do we do that? Like, why is that so important? Why does the preacher always have to talk about our quiet time and being with Christ? The the reason is because whatever you want to become, it needs your focus. Right? Like, if you want to be a better football player, well, then you better study tape and you better study the plays, right? If you want to be a better mathematician, you better study fractions, whatever it may be. Whatever you want to become, you got to spend time focused on that subject or on that person. Same thing goes with being Christ like. We got to spend time, we got to be focused. Hebrews 12 2 says this. It says, we do this. In other words, it's talking about that race that we're running in life. We run the race. We run the race in life by keeping our eyes on Jesus. That's focusing on him every day. Because he is the champion who initiates. And he is the one that perfects our faith. So you can't grow. And you won't mature. Unless you take the time to really focus on him. So what does that look like for you? That's just something, you know, I, I, maybe jot down these points and just think through these things. And just think, you know, like, what is, what would it be like for me just to take a moment to focus each and every day? The fourth thing you got to know. You got to remember the reward. You got to remember the reward because the race is going to be difficult. And when it gets difficult and growth seems to be happening at a snail's pace, you got you to remember what you're going for. The goal is to make you more like Jesus. And he can use everything in your life, no matter what it is, whether you're running uphill or whether you're running hurdles or or you're taking this detour, whatever happens, trust me, there are going to be obstacles all along the way in the race of life. And we got to remember, too, that Jesus went through difficult times in his marathon, right? When he was racing towards that goal, he went through some, some Some terrible moments where Jesus was lonely, where he was betrayed by his friends, he was tired, he was misunderstood. And if all those things happen to Jesus, and Jesus wasn't spared, then we can be sure that it'll happen to us. And I'm not trying to say that God causes those difficulties that we face in life. That's not what I'm saying at all. We don't need to start blaming God. And if we're honest with ourselves, you know what? We make the race in life more difficult all on our own, if we're telling the truth, right? All I'm trying to say is that God can use those moments and they come for all of us to grow us, to mature us, and to make us more like Christ. That's that's where we get the most growth, isn't it? When we hit some adversity in life, right? So, So when we're struggling in the race, we gotta remember the reward. This last week in the newsletter, there's a good story there of an Olympian who struggled and was rewarded through adversity. If you haven't read it, you can go back and read it this week. But you know what? Going along with this point, maybe the next time the race in life gets difficult, you know what we should do? Maybe instead of asking, and I say this all the time, maybe instead of asking why, we ask what. 
You know, when we're running uphill, when things, when something seems to be dragging us back, when we're not making good time, when we just feel like this is awful, why am I even running this race? We need to ask what instead of why. Because so many times in the race of life, what we want to do is we want to say why. Why God? Why is this happening? Why is this so difficult? When we probably should reach up to God and say, what do you want me to learn from this? What will make this better? What kind of growth can happen in my life through this. I love how the message paraphrase puts Hebrews 12, 1 through 3, when speaking of Jesus and how he ran the race, he says this, Keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished this race that we're in. He, he knows this race. He's, he's been through this journey. So we study how he did it because he never lost sight of where he was headed. He kept his eyes on the reward, that exhilarating finish in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way, including the cross and shame, whatever. He experiences all the difficulties in life. He'd never lost sight of the goal. And now he's there in the right place of honor, right alongside God. He now has the reward. And he promises that reward for everyone who believe in him. So we're going to face those hurdles in life. Remember the reward. Number five, teamwork makes the dream work. Okay, you need other people to run that race with you. You need support. You need a group that's going to help you, that's going to encourage you. And, and chances are that if you don't have that, you're going to want to give up at times. You're going to get discouraged in life. Now, I recently had a great example of this happen. We... Uh, we were up visiting some family in Atlanta, um, our cousins Mandy and Darren. And last time we saw them, they came down and they ran the half marathon, the soldier half with us. They just, they came and decided that weekend we were doing it, so they were going to do it. And so they ran it with us. And so while we were up in Atlanta, I asked him, I was like, are you still running? And he said, no, not really. He said, but Mandy is. And Mandy signed up for a full marathon. I think it was the peach tree. And he said that he positioned himself halfway through that. So at the 13-mile mark, this is a 26-mile race, he positioned himself halfway so he could see his wife, Mandy, come down. And when she came down, she ran over to him, and he's cheering her on. And, and she looks at him, and she says, I can't do it. I'm done. I'm out. Let's, let's go home. And she was just going to jump the line. And Darren looks at her, and he says, no, you got this and I'm going to run it with you. And without training, and without registering, <laughs> he jumped the line, and he ran the rest of that race with Mandy, and they finished together. You know, I'd like to think that I would do that for Shannon. <laughs> She'd come up and be like, I'm out, I'm done. I'd be like, cool, you want to go to Chick-fil-A? <laughs> I'm hungry. You hungry? <laughs> like, Let's go. <laughs> uh, you know what, though? When it comes to that race in life, you don't need 100 people running with you. You don't even need 10 people. You just need a small group. You know, because there are going to be those moments when you feel like giving up. There are going to be moments when the race gets too difficult. You're going to need people to jump across that line and run with you. Keep you going. You know, I'm so excited right now because our journey groups are getting back together, and it's just so much fun to see how excited people are. We just had lunch this past week with my Thursday lunch group, but man, we just had such a great time together. And I could tell everybody was glad. 
to be back together because we've been running on our own for a couple months while we got through the holidays as we started a new year, and now we're back together. And it's good. It's nice. When we get together, life is more enjoyable, and I get the encouragement I need. Hebrews 10 puts it this way. It says, you should not stay away from the church meetings, as some are doing, but you should meet together, and you should encourage each other. All right, point number six. Only, I got two more. Here we go. Number six, you got to understand that God loves you. When you're running that race, I want you to know no matter where you are in that race, God is cheering you on and he loves you every step of the process. And the reason I bring that up is because sometimes we get so, we get so frustrated during the race because we feel like we can't do anything right. And if people in my life are frustrated with me, and if I'm frustrated with me, then God's got to be frustrated with me, right? God has got to be ready to just give up on me because I am stinking it up. And nothing's going right. Some of us feel like we're only going to make God proud when we finally get up to heaven. Like that'll be the day when we get to hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant, right? Maybe then he'll be happy with me. And that's just not true. It's not true at all. It's like a growing child. You know, we celebrate each stage of a child's life. No matter what stage they're in, we celebrate that with them. And we're not upset with them for doing things that they can't possibly do or aren't ready to do yet. Like nobody gets upset with a baby for not being able to read or a 12-year-old for not being able to drive. We are excited for the things that are appropriate in that stage of growth. I was thinking about this this last week um, in my office. I've got a couple of uh, framed pictures that my girls drew me when they were young. And I keep these because I love them so much. And I've got so many from Abby, I've got so many from Say, and this one is from Say, and on the one side it says, I love you, and on this side it says, this much, and it's got the arrows to the edge of the paper, and it says, well, I love you more, but this is just all the paper I had. (laughs) I love that. And then Abby, Abby's got quite a few, but this is one of my favorites. She says, Dad, I love you. You mac the Erats Tudos. Translation, you make the greatest tacos. (laughs) You are the greatest daddy. And then there we are. I love that. I love it. That's what she loves. She loved the tacos early on. (laughs) But you know, when I got this from her, I thought that was so sweet. And you know, now what would you think that if I got this from her and I looked at it and I was like, you know what? We need to talk because you've got a lot of misspelled words here. And that stick figure looks nothing like me. I'm going to need you to get your act together. (laughs) You would be so upset with me if I did that, right? Because it's perfect for her age. She was so little when she was doing that. And I imagine God just being that perfect heavenly father to us. Where he just looks down at us and he is happy. And he is pleased. And he loves you each and every step of the journey. Philippians 3 is another passage that refers to the race in life. And it says this. It says, I do not mean that I am already as God wants me to be. This is Paul. And Paul's a person who wrote half the New Testament. And he writes, he says, I'm not finished growing my faith. He says, I've not reached that goal. But I continue trying to reach it. And I'm trying to make it mine. It's almost like Paul is saying, 
I keep going and I keep growing because I know that God is using me. I know God is growing me and I know God loves me. Every step of the way. God is cheering you on. And then the last point I'll bring up is that God will finish what he start, what he started. In other words, I got to realize that whatever I don't finish when it comes to spiritual growth, God's going to finish it. Okay? I was created to become like Christ, and that's what's going to happen. God is going to complete everything. He is going to make me perfect, and that will happen one day, and it will definitely happen when I'm standing in the presence of Christ himself. Philippians 1 makes this promise. It says this, I am certain that God, okay, the God who began that good work within you, he's going to continue that work. Okay, He began it. He's not going to give up and he's not going to start, stop until it is finally finished on the day when Jesus Christ comes again. And what an amazing day that's going to be, right? Whether we go to heaven first or whether he comes for us, we're going to see him face to face and we're going to be perfected in him and we will become like him. And one day that growth process will be finished. All your weaknesses, gone. All your insecurities, gone. All your problems, gone. Gone. One day you will reflect the true nature of God himself. So listen, friends, I don't don't know where you are in the race of life, but God's not done. If your heart is still beating, your race is not over. And it's never too late to get back up and keep moving forward. And as your pastor, I'm committed to helping you. As a church, we're committed to being part of the team that encourages you to continue that journey towards growth because one of our values here at the Ridge is that growing people change. We want it to happen. We want to become more Christ-like. And we do that by taking a step in his direction each and every day. Let's pray. God, We thank you that you have a plan and a purpose for everybody in here. And God, the goal that we all share is to become more like your son. And God, we thank you for the growth that we've already experienced in life, God. And I praise you for those that are committed to running, that are in that race, that are committed to growing. But God, I also thank you that you're not done with us. God, that you still have so much more in store for us. God, that we are a work in progress, that you love us for who we are, but you want us to change. You want us to grow. You want us to mature, to become more patient and kind and generous and loving and merciful. And God, we want that as well. And God, we also realize it takes time. But we're committed to growing and changing. So God, help us to simplify where needed. Help us to be patient. Remind us, God, how important it is to just focus on you and your word every day. And God, please allow this church to run that race that you have for us. But not just run it, God. God, I just pray that every person in here would run to win. God, grow us so that we become more like your son, Jesus. It's in your name we pray these things. Amen. Amen.